What's up, everybody? You're listening to First Serve, a weekly tennis podcast produced by The Wreck. First Serve is hosted by Joseph Millard and Dan Scotty, who bring you 15 minutes of news from around the men's and women's tour every single week. Here's what we've got for this week. The biggest story this week is the Davis Cup matchups. Yeah, um, man. Um, but we have some unfinished business from last week. Obviously, Federer, number 20 at the Australian Open. The man. Yeah, King. I mean, pretty much everybody's favorite going into the tournament. Yeah, but uh, what I I feel like it was, I think he, I mean he's always I feel like he's always everyone's favorite, but I think that there was a little bit more doubt around him heading into the Aussie than than people are giving it credit for. I think I think Rafa might have been. I mean, the odds makers had Roger as the favorite odds on, but I, I think I think Rafa was like the the surer player going into that. He won the last Slam, U.S. Open. Uh, Federer was beaten by Gofan at the World Tour Finals. He looked kind of beatable at the end of the season. You know, it's another another year on his legs. He's 36, so I, I, it wasn't as straightforward as people expected it to be. Even though it looked that way, if you look at it now on paper. But either way, you know, tip the cap to Roger. 20 slams, the goat. Um, other side, women. Wozniacki, her first. Yeah, she finally she finally got it done. And uh, on the other side of that, Halep, same story well, again, again, exactly. Not not story. not not the woman that we thought was gonna win her first. It was the it was yeah. Different... We thought we thought one woman was gonna get the maiden one. Didn't think it'd be Waz. Yeah, I don't know what to say about Halep at this point, honestly. It's dude. I, I was talking <laughs> to my buddy about it, and then I was saying that if she can get this win at the Aussie Open, you know, before the final, if she can get this win then I don't see why she wouldn't win, you know, so, even up to three slams. Kind of have that year like Serena did in 2015 where she right. was just like every slam was unbeatable. I think the tour right now for the women's side is like kind of in that position where it's lacking a true number one. Um, but after this loss, dude, it's, you know, I don't know if she'll ever win a slam. And that's that's really the big talk. She's I think she's pretty substantially the number one woman, on, uh, you know, woman on tour. Mm-hmm. But um, it just gets to a point where there's too many demons you know, this is now, this is like, there's too many times where she should have won the slam that she didn't, that, you know, it becomes a thing, you know, it becomes a thing. Then, you know, it, it, these these moments creep up. Now she's going to be in a semifinal and she's going to get tight thinking that she's going to have another chance to win a slam. It, it builds up after a while. It's not a good sign for Hal. Um, and now next, the next slam is going to be the one that she choked at last year. Yeah, but it exactly that that's the the point and the counterpoint is it also probably should be her best slam i think clay's her best surface so you know over the next few months we have very very uh interesting storylines to look out for just to see how Halep bounces back because i mean it, we're, we're saying this now where it's like you know everything's in jeopardy for Halep. but if she comes out you know bounces back from the the aussie open defeat and like really you know reasserts herself over the next two three months heads into the French as the, the favorite and wins that slam, then, you know, it, all this is for naught. Right. And yet, after she had that loss, it wasn't like she was destroyed exactly. Like, I think fans of Halep were more, would probably be more destroyed than she actually was because afterwards, she was in the press conference, press conference answering every question with a smile. Dude, that's a great point, man. And yeah. that's something that I thought of the exact same thing when I saw her. It was just like, it kind of was like a feeling that I feel like all of us can relate with where, you know, shit didn't go our way again. But at this point, it's kind of like she's she's, you know, I don't want to say she's, you know, complacent about it. But I think she's not in a position where it's it's adding pressure. I think she she understands she's gotten some tough breaks. 
like you said, she was laughing and smiling. She said she got her cry out. And now yeah. she's willing to just, you know, accept it. So we'll see. I mean, I love Halep as a player. I think she's skill wise and, you know, for, for all, you know, 90% of tournaments throughout the year, she's got one of the best heads. Um, it just seems to creep up in these grand slams where we see the nerves uh, take over. So, you know, it's it's tough, man. We'll, we'll see. Um, and now we're hearing uh, things about Djokovic's elbow. Oh my after, god! After, he has surgery in his hand. Right. His elbow is now hurting. Right, right, right. Exactly. After we were talking he about, will be hurting oh, soon. Because I remember before the tournament, we were talking about okay, maybe things could settle a little bit now. Mm, doesn't look nah, like nah, dude. We yeah, we didn't even have a chance to talk about like Novak and the Chung loss. He right. looked horrible. He looked horrible all tournament. He looked absolutely awful. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's. I don't know. I don't expect much from him now. I don't, think I, I don't think I can bet on, 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 on Novak Djokovic anymore. No, absolutely not. And like, when you think of the, like, the, the big four, let's say, or even the big five, Stan, the massive one-handed backhand, his forehand's a lot better. Andy, the big two-handed down the line, he serves well, he plays defense. Rafa, the forehand, the athleticism. Fed, the serve, the forehand, the backhand now. All these guys have, like, you know, these these tools, these weapons that they they pull out of the bag in their big spots. Novak, when when Novak was at his unbeatable time, it was just Novak did everything well. I was about to say, there was there, there was everything. Yeah, but, but, it, but when you do everything well, you also do nothing really well in, in, in many cases, which is what I kind of think has gone on with Novak. And when I watched him versus Mofis and versus Ramos and versus Chung, I was looking to see that one shot that reminded me of Novak past. And it never came. You know, it never came. I saw. I was talking to my my Serbian friend Nico about it, who's you know the biggest Novak fan. Even he, he couldn't see the shot that that you know the patented Novak backhand you know, or you know anything that he did. The only shot that he had was a forehand down the line, and it was like at seventy percent of what we usually see from him. So I really don't think that Novak's going to be able to to get back to where he was because it it it's a it's a really complex. Uh, kind of thing with him uh and to add to that i mean he said on instagram yesterday that he was dealing with the elbow injury for the past two years yeah of course <laughs> like of course all right was. thanks <laughs> thanks for telling us now um hey, bro, but don't you see like why are we hearing about this now right that's what i'm saying so you always had this this idea had that, that you yeah. had you had this idea that he comes out with these explanations in way too ven- too convenient of times yeah, but it's it's bizarre with this last one, dude. Because I literally before I saw this like second round of elbow stuff from him, I heard his hand. I'd never heard he had an injury with his hand. Yeah, ever. yeah exactly. And then literally, where did that come from? Right, that exactly. So, right, so so literally on Instagram, he was like, "Yeah, I, I owe you guys an explanation." Like that's, he owes it to himself, yeah. realistically. Because if he's hurt like that, then. But we said this, dude, we said this like right after Wimbledon. We, we were like, he needs to take time off. And he took that time. Yeah, off. he took the time. And he, now he, he alluded back. to that. But he alluded to that. He said something like, yo, I, I took, I took yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to send it to you. He said, I took six, six months off. I thought it was going to uh, do me well. So I came back into the Australian Open. Unfortunately, I still felt pain. So I had to go have surgery for my elbow. But yo, peep this, peep this, peep this. And, and this, is, this is kind of steps away from tennis and makes it more of a psychological thing. But I, I think that they're very, very tied, more, more so than most sports. Um, those six months off, obviously, not even if, if Clark, you know, who's Clark Kent, is that Superman? If Superman tried to play tennis at this level after six months off tour, he wouldn't, he'd struggle in those early matches back. It's just there's a lot of match play that's required 
repetitions, practice, getting, you know, getting matches under your belt before you can compete at the level Novak's expected to. So here's my theory at the moment is that those six months off tour are the reasons why he looked rusty, you know, mm. pretty obvious thing. But now you have to have a certain level of pride, A, B, willpower, and C, just grit to be able to kind of suck down, sorry for my use of uh, phrasing, suck <laughs> down some losses, you know, before you can get back to where you, you want to be. That's what we saw from Rafa after his injury or his, you know, his quote unquote injuries, whatever it was, whether it was confidence or an actual injury, he, he took his lumps. He lost a bunch of matches for almost two years. He was at this kind of, you know, uh, limbo state where we didn't know if Rafa would be back. And now he is. But the thing with Novak is I'm not sure Novak has this, the type of pride where he's going to be able to swallow it and play an extended period of time at, at, at a level where he's not happy with it for himself. Does that make you, you see what I'm saying? So I, it's very, it becomes the thing where will Novak be able to, you know, cause I don't think it's an injury right now. Totally. I think it's a little bit of both, but I think Novak needs to, to first level with himself and say, all right, I'm ready to, you know, lose matches to get where I want to be to win matches. You, cause you can't just, he's never going to be able to just come back on tour and play like 2015 Novak. If he thinks that that's, what's going to happen, he's always going to be injured. You know what I mean? Um, can I talk about a, a, a younger guy right now? Yeah, for sure. The obvious, um, Chung. Yeah. He's not very good. He's like, he's a good player. Listen, not very good. Had, had, had a, uh, the performance though, during, during the tournament, because I would never uh, expect him to get past fair of, I would have never yeah. expected him to get back. Well, I mean, we we already t- all talked about how Djokovic wasn't well, what we thought what he was going to be. So, yeah, that's well, that's that's why I kind of have my feelings about Chung. First of all, I mean, I can understand people that don't watch tennis for the the ten eleventh month season um, coming out, watching the first slam of the year, seeing this kid Chung come out and beat a top five player in Zverev, then come out and you know straight set Novak and be like, yeah, this kid's next, but. Those wins, when you actually like watch the tour and like mm-hmm. know what's going on with the players, like they're not that impressive. Mm-hmm. Zverev was losing like fifty, like all you know, fifty percent of his matches for the past six months. Like he really hasn't looked good since Montreal last summer. So that win for Chung against Zverev is, you know, it's okay. It's not super impressive. Mm-hmm. And then the Novak win, that's not really impressive to me at all. <laughs> I'm sorry because I watched the match and I'm, I'm, I could still in my in my memory know what Novak looks like when he's playing at his level, his best level. And, and what we saw that match, Chung Novak, was nowhere near what Novak's used. He's making errors like on the fifth or sixth ball. He had zero rally stamina. His movement didn't look great. His serve wasn't, didn't have any pop. It was just like Novak would played that match like a top 60 player on tour. So if you want to, if, you know, if you're, a tennis, if you're a tennis fan, you want to regard that Chung win against a, a, a top 60 caliber player as, you know, him being the next big thing, then that's fine. But we'll, time will tell. And this tour has a way of, of, of you know, everything evening out at the end of the day. By the so, way, by the way, Chung, Chung is another example of one of those players that was like uh, really young, but it's still, it feels like we've been talking about him for a while. Because I, well, we I, I remember reading about him in, in your in your previous. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't get it twisted here. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Chung hater. I was the first Chung lover. Literally right, the first right, Chung exactly. when he was 17 in 2015, he came up. And I loved his game, but he had to go back down. Like in tennis, there's, you know, the majors, if you will, and then there's challengers, which are like AAA, minor league ball. After coming up when we, when I first put you onto him in 2015, he had to go back down. He wasn't ready. So, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he's, 
got a lot to prove in consistency. This tour is is defined by consistency. Everyone can have a good tournament. There's, dude, you could be a top 200 player and play at an incredible level for a week, and we see it a lot. But the what makes what separates a top five player from a top 100 player is they're able to play at that level always. And I'm telling you, I've watched Chung for like you said, two three years now, and like I, he's never been able to play at this level for too long. So. Let, all I'm saying is, if you know, be a little cautious, tennis fans. Wait, wait it out. Let's see. Let's see where he ends up next by the summer after the clay season. He's already backed out of the next two tournaments he was supposed to be in. He's supposed to be in Sofia in, Bul- in Bulgaria this week. Yeah, he's supposed, supposed to be, to be, in, be New in New York. Yeah, right. man, two two weeks from now, backed out of both of those. Right. So let's just see. All right. So you were talking about Zverev and how inconsistent he's been. Um, Sloan Stevens. Wait, quick, quickly about Zverev. Zverev was in God mode last night against Kyrgios. Straight set at him. At the Davis Cup. You know what's crazy? I would have been way better to uh, watch than the Rockets Cavs, which is the only, eh. thing, was the only thing I watched yesterday. Right. It wasn't that close. It wasn't that close, man. Kyrgios looked really – and he, like, his head was out of it. It was not one of – Oh, is he back to that? Yeah, it's back, it's back to that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go back to Sloan. We get back to No, what I was about to say is because you were talking about Zverev being inconsistent since last year. I mean, Sloan Stevens, ever since she won, she's been – yeah, but it's a little bit tricky there. And I'll ask the same thing to you. Do you th- I mean, Zverev hasn't won a, a, a major yet. Do you think Sloan is – she's always been inconsistent, but I, do you think this inconsistency is coming from a tennis issue or do you think she's just content about that money? Right. Ex- okay, so you. so you did bring this up before the tournament. Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know. know. Might be, might, know, again, might be this, this is the first time going through it. Um, I guess I guess the thing that defines the best athletes is even after winning, acting like they haven't won yet. Yeah, dude, oh. I'm telling you, tennis, and this is why I love tennis so much, is why we talk tennis, because I see the psychology in the sport. Like, I don't care about whatever goes on through the lines. If you're a young kid and you just make three, four, whatever million dollars you just made, you can't really expect you to go about your business the same way you did before then. It's just a tough ask. Again, I think that, I think she will eventually get back to her level because she's a great player. But for the next month or so, man, all bets are off. You don't know because these are, this isn't it isn't a tennis issue. It's I think personally, it's a, a life issue. Mm. All right. So tell us about the t- the tournaments that you'll be watching uh, in the next couple of weeks. All right. I got a I have a story for the 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 real deal tennis fans here listening. Um, next week in Quito. Do you know anything about Quito? I know where it is. It's in Ecuador, and if, and if you know where it is, then you would know there's altitude there. Right. It's, it's played very high. So they've they moved this tournament. This is always the first clay tournament of the season from Chile to Ecuador, I think, three years ago. So they've had it in Quito three times. There's only been one winner, and he's not a, good, not a very good player. He's not <laughs> a player you'll probably know. His name is Victor Estrella Burgos. He's um, a Dominican player. Never won a wow. tournament on tour outside of keto but he's won it the past three years wow the dude has just mastered the altitude conditions and he doesn't have a big game it's not like he has a big first serve that he's pummeling and the altitude's helping him there he likes slices and stuff he's a small guy so he that's what i'll be watching this week he's gonna have a, he's gonna have a chance to to now repeat for a fourth time he's never lost there um and, and by the way who's done who's done who's done that in any tournament Dude, I, I really don't know, man. I'm telling you, I, whoever I talk to about this, like that, that actually knows their tennis, I'm like, bro, this is they, they need to make a movie out of this. 
because he's he's bro he's like the underdog in almost every match he plays even in the first round because he's never comes in as the favorite you know what i mean so he's grinding every single match he's 15 and 0 yeah that's crazy you no know, he's like a dog every time all right talk to us about montpellier montpellier is a pretty nice uh field out there gofans there sangas there um Pui, Luca Pui, I think, is going to have a good tournament there. And then the young gun, Andre Rublev, I'll be looking out for him. Um, I like Pui and Montpellier in Sofia. I like uh, – it's a really weak field out there. I like Cole Schreiber. And uh, in Quito, I'm just going to be rooting for Estrella, for Vicky. I'm not going to be putting any picks out. I'll be – my heart will be with the the, the Quito king. Mm. Um, any other notes you want to get off before you get out of here? Um... Borna Chor has been playing really well. I'm just looking at the, the Davis Cup results today. He straight mm-hmm. said Shep Ovalov, so that's a nice win for him. Oh, my God. That's my guy, by the way. Who, Shep? Yes. Yeah, I finally come around on him. Like, I, I've bought in that he's ready to compete now. Bro, oh, we might see a slam from Shep this oh, year. Bro, bro, after I saw him uh, uh, last summer in Toronto, I was, ooh. Yeah, and then he, but then he backed it up at the U.S. Open. See, around Toronto, I had already, like, Shep had been on my radar because he did it the year before in Toronto or in Montreal, like he he because he gets the wild card in Canada. Right. But his game is just so raw, if you will, that like I kind of had you know trouble buying in because he's so young and raw. But bro, at this point, fuck it. He's just he's he's that he's that like gritty and ballsy. You know what I mean? He goes for everything. I love his I love his mentality. Uh, speaking speaking of wild cards, uh, Vika is gonna be at Indian Wells because of wild card. You don't say. Yeah. The- yep. Yep. Yeah, man. All right, I'm I'm down to see Vicka come back because I that she might be the top of the game player that that the the women's side needs. Right, um, exactly. exactly. But also, you wanted to always talk about people's personal side. Um, What's been good with her? Exactly. Well, I mean, there was there's been like a a, a custody issue with her kid. Yo, I rem- did. I actually did see that. Yeah, bro. So there's a there's a whole bunch of things going on with her in life. Period. But um, yeah, at Indian Wells, which is going to be in March. Um, early March, she has a wildcard entry for that. So um, that will be her wow. first appearance. For Yo, you year. shook me up, man. I, I completely see like I, I, she was just forgot about that Vicka and like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That Everybody forgets. Wild. Yeah, yeah. That's just like a super wild. Final um, note, Petra. Kavitova has been playing it like turbo Petra mode. She's, she's, she's someone to look out for on the women's side the next few months. Right. Obviously, as always, but we'll see. All right, buddy. All right, man. That's about it. Another good one in the books. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, see ya. Hey, everybody. If you like what you hear so far and want to hear more from The Wreck, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Running Wreck to check out more of our shows.